Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 131 of the ATPHD team podcast with myself and Lynn. Hi Lynn, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm swell, thank you. How is your dog? Is he still there? Yeah, (laughs) they're both still there. They're being quiet now, so we won't (laughs) summon them. Sorry, I don't, I won't say any names. Be quiet. Uh, How are you, Georgia? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, I am well. I am, I'm going to be honest, I've had one of those weeks where I'm very, very tired and I'm drinking a lot of decaf coffee lying to myself, pretending it's coffee. And yesterday, you know, when you have those days where you know that you're tired and you know that you need a nap, but you don't take a nap and you think, do you know what will help me? Carbohydrates. And you have some carbohydrates and you go, I'm, I'm, my body is exhausted. Do you know what I need? Sleep. Do you know what I'm going to do? Have some carbohydrates. And I had one of those days all day yesterday. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm absolutely starving again. I'm like, I just need some carbohydrates. And it's so such an obvious link for me, like with tiredness, it's like immediate. And I don't know why I don't take my own advice. Sometimes I do. I switch my laptop off and on that for 15 minutes. Sometimes I will. But I think because we had FitX at the weekend, so I didn't sleep much at the weekend and then came in to like just a full week. I just know that I need sleep, but I'm not giving myself it. I'm just giving myself carbohydrates and it's not a good plan and I need to practice what I preach on that and I'm going to sleep all weekend and it will be fine but I'm so great apart from that and I'm enjoying my carbohydrates do you not find when you're tired and you have coffee it makes you more tired sometimes yeah I get that a lot coffee only really works when I'm like I need a like a boost of energy but not when I'm like that tired I have coffee then and I'm just like no matter what I have it's like your your eyes are closing on purpose yeah yeah sometimes that does happen to me but then I'm still on decaf I'm, I'm letting myself oh, yeah. have wine for fertility but not deep not coffee because I'm like you know what you got to pick your battles I'll keep taking my supplements I'll drink my red wine sometimes but I can live without caffeine so that's fine I can't I mean I can live without wine I'm not an alcoholic but I am um, I just enjoy it so I'm like you just have to you have to balance things out right between like what is the most important to me right now how do I want to live my life right now? And and I'm going to be on it. A glass of red wine for me just helps me live my life. Also, though, coffee is like a, a daily thing and red wine is like an occasional thing. So <laughs> not a breakfast wine, no? <laughs> Love a day wine, me. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> but you are, yeah, you are right. I, I'm not on my daily glass of red wine. I definitely do go through phases like that, but at the moment I'm trying to limit myself to maybe two nights a week. Balance. But it's that thing, isn't it? Same as caffeine, when you don't have something for a while and you have it back, you get the, the benefits of such a smaller amount of things. So like when we were in Albania and I got spiked with caffeine by mistake, I was awake until like three o'clock in the morning and I had it at like 10 a.m. And I was like, why am I awake? Why am I awake? Because they gave me coffee. Little assholes. So, you know, it's quite nice to have a break from stuff, especially caffeine. If you don't know how to break from caffeine in ages, 
I highly recommend you do it for like a week. You feel like death for a week, but then after it, it's exceptional when you bring it back. How long were you off alcohol, like wine? Mm, about two or three months. Like when any you, sorry, when you first had your next glass of wine, then did you notice a difference in the taste? Yeah, taste. Uh, yeah, but I tasted delicious, and it went straight to my head. <laughs> no, but I found because I obviously like gave it up for well, not gave it up, but I stopped drinking when I was marathon training. Do you know, I ran a marathon, um, and when I had the first drink afterwards, it just tasted so weird. It was like my my taste buds were like what is this like enjoyable but not what I remember it to be if that makes sense yeah it's the same as you get when you diet right and you've not you if you'd follow a really restrictive diet and then you have like one bite of something you're like oh this is like a hundred times better than it's ever been before or different wine just tastes a hundred times better than it ever did before for me (laughs) I think maybe I do have a problem anyway (laughs) let's crack on and Lynn do you want to go first yeah I'm so aware of body checking yet I just cannot stop it I'm doing it and saying to myself out loud oh my god stop this yet I can't you can Power wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I'll just touch on the kind of overarching thing that I'm I'm going to say here in that the more you tell yourself you can't do something, the more, the less likely you are to be able to do it. And I understand that it's really tough, just like it was really tough for me to give up wine for a while. And I told myself I can't live without wine, but I could. Body checking is not the same as wine. But if you constantly are like, I just can't stop it, I just can't stop it, you're not going to be able to stop it because you want to prove yourself right. We want to prove ourselves right. And if we tell ourselves something about ourselves, we'll act in a way in alignment with that. So stop saying that, stop repeating that to yourself, first of all, because you're, you're setting yourself up to not be able to do it. Let's be objective here. Could you physically stop body checking? Yes, physically, objectively, you could. It's just right now you're struggling to do that. And it's about how do we then um, put habits in place or like small swaps in place or just put small things in place that will allow you to replace that habit with something else or to pause before you do it to then call yourself out on it. Nailed it in one, done. Well, I would say, yeah, like, I mean, I'm okay, I'll, I'll give you some apply tips then because that's me really easy, me saying, like, you can just replace it. Figure out what the body checking is. So... If you are checking in the mirror all the time, I remember Anna always tells the story about how she has, or she had a mirror like on her chest of drawers and it was just at like torso height. And so she still always walked past it and she'd check her, her belly out in the mirror just because it was at that height. And so she moved the mirror out of the way so that she couldn't do that anymore. And it was like a simple thing that she could do that just stopped her from doing that. I only have like one mirror around all my bedroom, dressing room, office, bathroom I have one mirror and it's just kind of out of the way and it's literally just there for me to do my makeup and that's it so I can't body check in the mirror at least I don't have scales because so I can't body check in that sense I wear like baggy clothes when I'm at work and sat down all day so that I don't feel uncomfortable and I'm not body checking like my stomach hanging over my my trousers or anything like that think about how the areas that you're body checking in and if you're making it more difficult for yourself and again like something I do and I still do it now is if I'm having like a bad body image day or something 
I'll notice that I'm going to a mirror and I'm like, I notice I'm about to do it. And I'll say like, like, why are you doing it? Or stop doing it. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And then not actually do it. That takes a lot of mindfulness practice. That takes a lot of awareness and it takes a lot of slowing down in life in general. But a lot of the work we do around mindfulness is to support you and be more intentional in what you do so that you're less reactive and more responsive to things so that you are kind of living with intention and living consciously so you know what you're doing before you do it. But that like that does take time. I like your question like what am I doing I ask myself the same thing when I was trying to like wean myself off my phone like I moved it further away so it was less convenient like it's behind me I can't see it regularly I'm less tempted to and then oh my god the amount of times I caught myself swiveling in my chair and like reaching for it and I would have to say out loud what am I doing and I would just pull my hand back in and be like back to my screen yeah (laughs) very helpful like putting a few things together make it less convenient and then replace the habit like with questioning yourself it's I always ask myself what I'm doing yes what am I doing why am I like this what is life all of you all of the essential (laughs) questions um okay great Georgia do you want to go for a question yeah I don't know if you asked this one in the last podcast so interrupt me if you've got there already um what do you add into a protein shake water or milk I normally have water but the other morning I rushed out early and had one with milk and an apple for my breakfast it was so nice with milk and so much more filling and tasty so much better with milk yeah creamy yeah I I mean yeah I do both depends on what milk I've got what mood I'm in how hungry I am um but yeah, generally milk is better with a bit of ice, just perfection. But I mean, personal preference, right? There's nothing more disappointing when you go to the fridge to take out like your, well, my milk, your milk, and it's it's all gone or it's the wrong one because I don't like almond milk. I don't like the taste of almond milk. Well, I'll have like coconut milk or whatever, but I just like normal milk. And if I go to the fridge and the normal milk is all gone, then it's only almonds and I'm devastated because I would rather have it with water. And that's saying something because I don't like water in them at all. Then the <laughs> almond milk breaks my heart. Almond milk. I mean, I'm not a big fan either. It's kind of just like watery nuts. Nobody likes a watery nut. That's I it. drink almond milk. I love it. Oh, well, I have it in my tea. Um, yeah, have oh, it in tea. no wait wait do you want to know what my next one is so I bought this a few weeks ago and I'm like someone messaged me on Instagram and she was like don't don't do it it's potato milk I don't want it in my tea but I'm willing to try it have you tried it no no I saw you you bought potato milk and I was like are you okay (laughs) I I don't know my almond milk ran out today so that's the next one and I'm like oh I don't don't know how I feel but I'm willing to try it yeah I'm up for trying stuff stuff it's either going to taste like vodka or oat milk it could go either way both <laughs> if it's oat you milk, know where great. your brain is right now oh I know in the depths of alcoholism clearly and <laughs> um, yeah. have you ever tried pea milk yes that yeah. is fantastic pea milk very is creamy so it like creamy mm. Emma and I got it in a in London like just to taste it one day and it was I was like oh it's just like real it tastes like almost like whole milk it was mm. great so highly recommend pea milk if you ever see that. I don't but. like it in tea though. Like it's not a it's not a cup of tea milk. It's like for shakes or like oats or something like that. Mm. But yeah, in in tea, tea you can taste that that aftertaste, that tiny bitterness of pea, and I'm like, oh, it's 
pee water in my tea it's not I mean <laughs> you drink almond milk in your tea I just don't know if you've got a leg to stand on I'll take it I'll take that <laughs> um okay what is the difference between being out of your comfort zone and out of your depth can you tell the difference oh great isn't it that's a really good question for me personally I think being out of your comfort zone is knowing deep down that you are able to do what is being asked of you and just being a little bit nervous about it and a little bit overwhelmed with it being out of your depth I feel like you know deep down like I 1000% cannot do this like someone applying for coaching that is completely like out of my scope of practice or out of my realm of expertise I know deep down I cannot help this person. So like I'm out of my depth here. But when it comes to something that might be, you know, like, can you help me with my nutrition for training for a marathon and getting my period back, for example? Yes, I can help you. I might feel a little bit like out of my comfort zone because it's both and, you know, but I can do it. So I think you kind of know in your gut deep down when something is out of your depth. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm trying to think what I would add to and what I would really add. I think, I think you're right. I think it's it's probably just a matter of self-awareness, right? If someone asked me to speak Chinese, I'd be like, out of my depth. If someone asked me to, I don't know, speak French, I'd still be out of my depth, to be fair. A little bit more comfortable, but it'd still be a bit of a push. Um I think for yourself it is it is that level of self-awareness maybe asking yourself some questions like if I if I was confident would I feel out of my depth or if I didn't feel fear would I feel out of my depth or if I didn't get nerves like didn't have like didn't get nervous about things would I be out of my depth and trying to separate what is a healthy level of nervousness and apprehension about something that is a, a leap or requires bravery, trying to take that kind of fear out of it and then saying, like, what is objectively true here? Um, example, if I'm, like, we've got this event next weekend and I'm doing this talk and I'm like, I'm out of my comfort zone a little bit because it's a new audience, it's a new, like, I'm talking about something I've not spoken before, I'm out of my comfort zone. And I think definitely in the past, I would have thought that was out of my depth. But it's like, let's look at the look at done hundreds of talks before. I know what I'm talking about. It's just something different. If I took away the nervousness and fear and the uncertainty of the unknown, I know that that would still be, it would be fine. I wouldn't be out of my depth. So I think it's just asking yourself those questions, like take away the fear and what's left, maybe. Well, like, I think for me, it might be the difference between I can't and I don't. Like, I can't do this means I genuinely could not, perform for whatever and and I don't want to do this means I'm perfectly capable but a part of me is like it's gonna be scary (laughs) it's gonna be tough um yeah I would probably go with that like can't cook won't cook that kind of thing Mm, I like that okay Lynn question organization and planning when it's not just yourself and you have a chaotic work schedule or that's how it feels I, I think they're looking for tips it's hard when you're managing other people and you have to include other people for sure um I would first of all call you on 
what we often tend to do especially as women not always is we let other people dictate our schedules and we fit our own stuff around that and I think that's really important I actually had a conversation with someone earlier about booking a meeting and I was like I could technically do that time but that time I've booked out for my own work my own presentation stuff that I have to do and then I was like oh I could just do it because impact my day and I thought what does impact my day that's my time that I've booked out for this and so I've called myself on it and I was like nope I'm going to be strict with my boundaries and I think sometimes we get overwhelmed because we let other people say well I want to do this time or this time or I'm going to do it like this and we can't we don't have a reason other than the fact that we would prefer it to be different different but we don't let ourselves have like that preference we're like well well, I don't have anything booked in so I'm just going to let other people do what they need to do and that can lead to us feeling quite overwhelmed and not getting what we want done and quite resentful so I think being quite strong on what you need and what your boundaries are around that yes be flexible there's like I mean we work as a big group of women right we have to be flexible to some degree to try and get us all in the same room at the same time regularly and there's flexibility but then there's being walked all over and if like I don't know Georgia you had like a lunch with your family every t- every time we wanted to have a meeting and you're meeting, it's fine it's fine it's fine at some point you're going to be like I'm so overwhelmed I can't I don't get to see my family I don't get to do these things and I think so I think we have to make sure we're prioritizing what we need um and I think the thing with overwhelm is usually overwhelm is not because we've got too much to do it's usually because we're not focused on what we're actually we actually have to do because we're too busy like we're too feeling too scatty we're trying to juggle too many things we're not prioritizing and so we're just constantly telling ourselves I'm too busy I'm overwhelmed I'm too busy too and when you say that over and over again in your head that's that's exactly how you're going to feel so I think sometimes prior like prioritizing being present putting your phone down blocking out time for the things that you need to do and and really focusing on those things and I don't just mean at work I mean if it's like kids time like cooking dinner with the kids and having dinner with the kids putting your phone away and focusing on that and not checking your work emails or if it's literally just an hour on the sofa with your partner again put your phone down focus on that just being very intentional with the things that you have to do I think is is helpful I don't know if I'm going off on a random tangent like I said brain fog so enjoy me today guys um but I think sometimes you also underestimate other people's abilities to pick up slack we kind of think well if I don't get it done it won't get done but because we always do that we always prove to ourselves well I have to be the one to get it done otherwise it doesn't happen and um I would say from what I've experienced from many of my clients is that the biggest thing that they struggle with is actually asking for help because they see it as a bit of weakness when it's actually not help it's like can you actually do your fair share so that you know if you can manage this and this I can manage this and this and also And I'm coming back to this from my mother's fierce compassion, of which she is very fierce. But as a single mother, she had to be very regimented in her time. And it was never a case of like, oh, would you like to do this club? And would you like to do this? And what what about your sister? It was very much, you guys need to get to school. I have to get to work. I have to pay the bills when I come back. Like, this is the night where you guys can do something because that's the night that I have time to do that for you. And everything outside of that, like was kind of, it is what it is. And I think maybe we underestimate children and their capacity to understand what's going on. And as not a mother, I understand that it can be hard sometimes because the world does revolve around your children, your family, you want them to be happy. But equally, 
kids are fine like cracking on with playing with their toys doing some homework your partner is fine emptying the dishwasher loading the dishwasher even if it's not the way that you like it and sometimes compromise may be uncomfortable but only because you're not used to having to ask people to step in and pull their weight a little bit Mm. I remember hearing something once and it was like quite transformative because I used to live with my partner and he he was just useless and I say this because I hate him so I can say what I want um and I don't hate many people um but he was useless like I, I, he wouldn't do anything and I remember reading men are from Mars women are from Venus and they said in order to get men to do what you want them to do you have to basically say that it explain why it helps you out because like stereotypically men like to help women it's like the masculine thing for them to do again I'm being very gender normative and based on what this book said and the way that I used to try and get to do stuff would be like it would I'm so busy it would really really help me out if you could just please enter the dishwasher today and and he would do it right but that's not the point of the story I remember reading something around that time and it was like people will do give people the chance to do to what you've asked them to do in their own time for example let's take the dishwasher example and I'd be like please will you please will you load the dishwasher and like I would do it as I go right that's just common sense but for him he would do it if once I'd gone to bed and he would let it all stack up in the day and then he'd load it at night if I got him to do it right that was his way of doing it but instead of letting him do it his way on his timeline I would be like oh you're just not going to do it I'll just do it and I'll just nag and I'll just do it anyway and then I've just given myself an extra job because I didn't give him the chance to do it in his own time and I think sometimes if people are not doing things the way that we want them to do it or in the timeline that we want them to do it in we end up just going oh they're just not going to do it so I'll just do it myself and it just creates more work for us and I think sometimes like this isn't always possible with like work deadlines and things like that that's not possible but if I ask someone to do something or that's their responsibility to do something, I'll give a rough time frame if there needs to be a rough time frame. But just because I would do, like, say when we get off this podcast, I can't edit this podcast straight away, upload it straight away because that's just my way of doing things. But say, Georgia, you were you were editing it and you didn't do it till tonight. It didn't, wouldn't get till 5 p.m. today and we go like, why oh, Georgia's not uploaded the podcast yet? Be like, she says she's going to do it, so she'll do it later. And I think sometimes we have to get a little bit better at that georgia question how do you know oh how do i know if i'm eating enough to support training and recovery in general when i'm not tracking but i'm trying to balance out energy dense meals at work i'm aiming to avoid additional weight gain because of previous issues with knees and fertility honestly you'll know because your weight won't change like it will change a little bit I think we often have this fear of like how do I know if I'm not going to be eating enough or if I'm eating enough or I'm not eating too much etc if you gain weight you're and you don't want to gain weight you're eating a little bit too much in terms of energy if you lose weight you don't want to lose weight then you're eating a little bit too little in terms of your calories if you're not if you're not tracking your weight you'll know because of like the way that your clothes fit or your measurements you'll also know because um if you're eating enough if you're feeling lethargic all the time if you're not progressing in your training and you're logging it and you're noticing that you're not progressing very well that could potentially be because you've under eaten um 
or you're thinking about food all the time, you're preoccupied by food, or you get hangry, or you get insatiably hungry sometimes, all of those things are signs that you're not eating enough. Um, you don't need an, like a tracking app to tell you that, but you do need to get a little bit curious about how you feel in yourself and um, get comfortable with looking at all of these different metrics aside from just like a, like my fitness pal, for example. In terms of training and recovery, I think you'll also know, as you said, by knowing yourself better, but like, what's your energy like? What's your concentration like day to day? How do you feel in the morning? Like, are you waking up exhausted? Are you aching? Are you sore? These are all ways that you will know. And also, if you're extremely hungry, it's probably a sign that you are not eating enough to support your training and recovery. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. Steph's question. <clears throat> Any tips for stopping and breathing before you speak when you are annoyed or in the heat of the moment? I say this. I feel like I'm looking at Georgia like Georgia doesn't ever get annoyed. I feel like Lynn never stops and just goes in the heat of the moment. <laughs> Why do people think that I'm this calm person? Like, I feel a lot of feelings. <laughs> I'm sure you... <laughs> Right, I'll, I'll be quiet. What, what do you guys think? Um, I, I mean, don't know any tips. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, by the way. I'm sure you do. You're so I, right. My God. I think, have I implemented anything particularly for myself? I think I've learned from experience over years of being quite reactive and saying things that maybe I didn't mean to say and then doubling down because I'm like, what? said it now stick with your guns um so I think in terms of like creating that pause it comes from practice it's much like we say with eating like at first you'll be like oh yeah I forgot to pause but I kind of just dove straight into my meal but when you're conscious of that being something that you want to do you'll remind yourself enough that when when the cue is I'm about to say something you may one out of ten times remember to go oh just let this breath out for a second and take a breath now I can decide how I'm going to respond rather than react and you may not do it all the time but the more you remember to implement it the more it will encourage you to do it next time because the more you practice it the more likely you're going to keep going down that route of of creating the pause mm. yeah I don't expect it to be perfect because not everyone can be Georgia yeah sorry no of course we live it every day um I would say it's really not anything not really that much to do with in the moment it's actually what you're doing day to day I think meditation for me is the thing that is trans completely transformed that and being consistent with med meditation and I mean for reference I've been meditating every day for like I don't know five years or something it's not four years it's not something that you just like George said wake up one day and, and it's changed um but one of the kind of key outcomes of meditation is the ability to respond not react and so I would certainly be super intentional with that and just slowing down in general and pausing like I think adding in pauses before you do most things in life so before a podcast before like I'll send you guys a link before this podcast and then I'll stop and I'll be like how do I want to show up take a breath okay do the podcast or um in the morning when I am 
replying to dms on instagram while i'm on the bike at the gym i'm like okay just stop how do i want to show up then i'll i'll do that and i think the same goes like if i'm driving home to scotland and i know that i'm about to go and stay with my mom for a few days like what are my intentions here running through that and it's a constant thing of just kind of checking in with yourself not just in that moment that you know that you need it so that when that moment does come you're much better at going oh I should probably pause here before I do it and I think too it can be really hard right if you're arguing with someone and you just want to pause for a second take a breath and what I do is I tend to be quiet if I've managed to get it which sometimes I don't sometimes I will snap at someone and immediately you know you snapped and I'm getting much better now at being like I'm really sorry I shouldn't have said that immediately because I hate myself for not pausing um not that I ever hate myself obviously because you know self-compassion um but I think I think sometimes just letting yourself be quiet in that moment and what I was saying was it can be quite difficult if you're arguing with someone who doesn't like that and then they keep pushing you and pushing you because you're just trying to be quiet to get figure out what you want to say but they don't let you be quiet and it's just more and more riled up more and more riled up and it's really about going about your inner space chill doesn't matter what's going on around you zone that stuff out and just keep thinking about what like what is my inner space doing right now I want that to be chill before I respond and also know that you're probably going to do it and just be an acceptance of the fact that you're probably going to snap at people sometimes and you have to go oh, sorry I didn't mean that and move on because we all do it well contrary to belief I do actually have some responses here to share I don't always just react (laughs) (laughs) no but something I have tried to do and implement was become aware of how it physically presents itself in me like if I do get riled up or if I do get angry what does that look like or feel like internally for me so usually depending on the person or the situation it could be like I could feel the urge to cry. And that's when I know like I'm extremely overstimulated and need to like chill out and take a breath. <laughs> but in other circumstances, it's like a nervous shake type thing, you know, where you're kind of like, it's all building up so much that like physically I can feel it building. And then from there be like, okay, when else do I feel like this? So this is the emotion I'm feeling and just being able to name the emotion. And as you said, getting better at dealing with that emotion when it shows up, not in a, a place where you're going to like react to something and learning like what to do and what helps you there. Mm-hmm. That was, that was great. Gosh, you're so zen, Lynn. I, really I was going to say, while you were talking, it really reminded me and you might be able to correct me if this is wrong. I think it might be untethered soul potentially where it's kind of talking about the constant monologue in your head it's like nee, 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 nee. and some like I say sometimes I still hear that she's always there but like this constant kind of like someone says something and then there's a part of me that's just like ah, nee, 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 and it has its very strong opinions and I'm like it's a good job that you don't verbalize that because she is <laughs> she yeah. is not friendly and then that pause is where you get to create the distance and you hear it and you're kind of like mm, yeah but you're wrong though because that's quite aggressive actually what I want to say is this this is, is what I mean um and I found reading that very very helpful but I wasn't just scrolling on my phone then to be rude I was trying to find this account and I think you guys probably do follow it it's the secure relationship have you mm-hmm. do you follow that yeah and she has some excellent tips for communication and like do you know you get stuck in that negative cycle that she talks about a lot of like being reactive and to and fro and to and fro and it teaches you how to get out of that and like you were saying like sometimes we snap but we know we learn how to say that's not what I meant to say and the negativity wasn't aimed at you it's aimed at the situation 
let's take a step back and like if I have learned anything from Instagram like that account probably has to be the number one where I'm like oh my god this is how I can communicate this with somebody and it's um yeah I'd highly recommend following that account just because it's very simple easy to take in information um and it does help you break out of negative communication patterns definitely I love that Mm. one I like that and what a cool influence that person had that that person has because they've got hundreds of thousands of followers right and oh yeah and yeah just yeah what a cool influence um okay Mm. Lynn uh okay (laughs) she starts this with brace yourself I like these questions (laughs) um I have a particularly strange relationship with one of my parents unfortunately it hasn't always been great but pleasing them or proving to them more so that I am successful and I have become everything they said that I wouldn't become is a huge part of my life how do I break free from this because since working with you I'm now realizing that this doesn't serve me anymore and I genuinely don't care what they think of me but I'm not going to break up with my parent I just need to break the link between proving to them that I've made it and also not caring Oh, you've been a, a little bit. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Oh, it's not an oxymoron. But the the two things that you said there don't quite agree, right? Because you do care, you do, and and I mean this in the kindest way because I can 100% relate to a lot of this stuff, or like 90% relate to this stuff. You do care, and it's okay to care. But the more you tell yourself you don't care, the less likely you are to move through it because you're denying the fact that you care. You do care because you want to prove to them something. If you want to prove something to someone, it means that you still care. You're not indifferent, and it's totally okay to care. They're your parents. Parents are the cause of all of our problems, even though they're the best. All half of them, most of them, are the best parents in the world, um, and have done incredible jobs but there'll be some tiny little thing in there that's triggered us in some way right um but I think denial you don't want to care and you clearly know where you want to get to and I think that's the thing and I think that's incredible awareness I think therapy by the way would be a really great shout in this no like I think therapy for honestly I just think therapy for everyone is great sometimes on EIQ people are like how do I recommend therapy to people I work with I'm like just to say everyone should go it's great um but so I do think I do think that 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 could be helpful at some point when you want to do that if you want to do that something that I quite I quite like and it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit little I don't really care because it's me is where like thinking about where that's come from first of all at some point in your life that that you felt the need to prove to them something and you you were probably doing it for again their approval for their love right when did that start for you that's the first thing because we want to become aware of that um I wrote an email actually for the email list tomorrow and I even when I was writing out the email I thought oh that makes sense about something when I was 16 I went Oh, that links to there I never really clicked on that before and it's just like a nice little revelation and I think sometimes the awareness is super super important well it always is but then I quite like inner child work has a is a bit blah right and I and I don't know the evidence usually behind it but 
and this is not specifically what it is, but sometimes I like to go back to thinking about, okay, I recognize that was the time that that happened. I'm going to go back in like a bit of a meditation and give younger me what she needs at that time. Because the reason that you want this acceptance or her acceptance um, could be because you didn't get it at the time that you needed it or because you didn't get the love or the nurturing or whatever it was at the time that you needed it. And so that kind of end of building you is still seeking that. And when I was in Mexico, I went on a psychedelics um, meditation retreat thing and took mushrooms and did this really great meditation. And part of that was going back to, um, you don't even realize, basically the whole meditation session was like, I took you into a snow globe and she was like, so you're in this snow globe and you are in this place and time and you, you have no guide, there's guidance, but obviously she doesn't know where you're going and you end up in this place in your childhood and you're like, I recognize where I am now. And it's a, pl- a place that you might not have necessarily thought of. And she's, and, and the whole idea is you get to that point and you go at me at that age needs to be told you don't need to fix this just needs to be given a hug and whatever else and I and I found that super super powerful because it's like this narrative that you've told yourself since you were 16 years old is no longer true because you've changed the trajectory of your life because you've given that 16 year old the permission to still be a child and not fix everything and so it's like it almost it doesn't go away but it it's quite powerful and I think finding your version of that whether it be looking into inner child work, even if it's a little bit airy-fairy or whether it be therapy or whether it be just journaling on this is where this has come from, I think can be really quite helpful. And, you know, I think I did a post a couple of months ago about like a picture of myself as a baby and it's like, what does she need right now? I think that in general can be really powerful of like when you're overeating or when you're tired, remembering that you're still that child and saying like, what, like, what does that child need? I'm still the same person. I need a nap, not another, I don't know, not another bowl of cereal, for example. Um, I think that can be quite powerful. But I mean, it's a big, it's a work, it's a, it's a big bit of work, I think, to do. I smiled when you mentioned counselling because that it's something we've touched on so many times. And eventually, like not eventually, but she has inquired about it. And the big thing was, I've inquired. So can you leave me alone for a little while? And okay. then I might go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so just the fact that you said it, I'm like that's your laugh um okay next question georgia uh how do you why can't i speak how do you recognize restriction versus making a choice not to have something i feel like this is where i'm at in the process of learning about unconditional permission to eat Hmm. i think so about the stories that you've got in your head at the time, right? If it's coming up like I shouldn't have that, then get curious about it. Um, or if it's I don't want that, then that's very different. Um, I know it sounds really, really basic, but it is very much about the inner dialogue that you have at the time. Um, example is like if everyone else is getting, say you're out for... I don't know, pizza and everyone else is getting pizza and you don't like pizza, then you're going to have something else, right? 
But if you're out, all, if everyone's out for pizza and you really like pizza, but you feel like you shouldn't have it because it's Thursday, then that's going to be restriction. So it's not like a clear cut thing. Um, I think it's just really about saying like, how how is this going to make me feel? What is in line with my values? What are my goals right now? What is this inner dialogue? And again, it kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier, just really slowing down and getting curious about the voices in your head. I think the voices in your head have got a lot to answer for. Allowing yourself something doesn't mean you're going to have it though. So you'll know you're restricting it if you're not going to even allow yourself to have it or give yourself the option to have it. So if you're allowing yourself that option to have the pizza, you're not restricting it, you're making a choice. But if, as Amelia said, if you're saying no, can't today, maybe tomorrow type thing, then you are restricting it. That's not making a choice. It's just allowing yourself and allowing doesn't always mean openly just going and having it Mm. yeah exactly that it's the choice isn't it I think sometimes unconditional permission to eat gets conflated with just I can have everything so it's either yes to everything all the time which can be quite scary or no because I shouldn't and the shouldn't is the rule so when you're moving away from the rules all it does is open you up to the option that you have the choice to say yes or no rather than feeling like you have to do one thing or the other it's kind of exciting Mm. I think that yeah I think you're right I think the whole journey is we want to frame the whole journey as exciting because you learn so much about yourself and you learn so much about your preferences again and I mean yeah I agree okay have you read glucose revolution by Jesse Inch Kate I have found the suggestions which to have dramatically helped my hunger levels and the posts she puts on Instagram are very interesting this is Maybe we shouldn't have said her name, but yeah, she, so she has an Instagram page and she talks about it on there. I've not read her book. I'm aware of the Instagram page and I've read some of the posts. I have quite a specific opinion about whether or not it's helpful. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go into detail about some of the suggestions? I can do. So... I also haven't read her book, but I also know the Instagram page and it's not just her. There's a trend for this mm. type of eating at the moment because we love a type, a way to eat, right? We love to have a name for the type of food that we do, food that we do, food that we eat. And we like to overcomplicate things. What she talks about basically is timing, uh, temporal distribution of like macronutrients within one meal. So eating fibre first, I believe, um, and then like separating your meal basically and eating it in a way to help manage blood glucose levels. Um, That's what she is a proponent of. In terms of the research, it's quite sketchy. So there is some evidence that eating in that way can potentially help postprandial glucose Um, blood glucose metabolism in people with type 2 diabetes but that's kind of the extent of it at the moment there's no robust research in terms of like how it impacts things like body composition I know that she talks about some of the research but it's quite flawed um I think it's quite selective in the research that has been picked um there's like it might make you feel more satiated because you're eating slowly um and you're more mindful so you might well like I'm not denying that your hunger levels feel 
you feel more aware of your hunger levels or they they're lower because you're probably being more mindful and especially focusing on making sure that you're eating enough fiber uh what are your thoughts georgia because i know you said you have strong opinions so many thoughts um so i'm just going to use an example that i read on a post because i think it will kind of highlight how impractical i consider it to be for many people so for example if you had a tuna sandwich um the suggestion is that you would eat the lettuce tomato cucumber first then you would eat your tuna and then you would eat your bread and I would argue that my satisfaction from that sandwich is greatly reduced because it's no longer a sandwich it's been a deconstructed meal (laughs) um and I think this is an attack it's just an an observation as somebody um it's let's I'm gonna use my sister because she gets used for all these kind of examples so she doesn't know much about nutrition or about reading science etc so it's very easy for me to show her anything and say here's a graph this is what it's telling me and she'll go oh right okay great helpful thank you and the average person on instagram and it's no shade on anyone at all but it's going to see that graph that goes along with that slide and every slide has a graph and shows you this insulin spike and it's like goodness if i change the way that i eat it will change the way that my insulin responds and there's this overall fear of insulin as if it's something that's quite um let's say fattening for want of a better term when actually it's a completely normal physiological response to eating your insulin is supposed to spike like it's how you metabolize food it's how you get it from your stomach in your blood and into your muscle and into your other cells in your body and I think there is just a bit of um the word's gone from my head now I want to say it but do you know when people kind of like make it very black and white and it's like well that's really it's not that mechanistic like that's not how the body works we don't eat a macro we eat a meal and you can reduce the overall glycemic load of a meal by including more fiber so you could have your tuna sandwich and you could have a side salad and you could have a piece of fruit and that will still slow down your overall digestion help you feel fuller fuller for longer and reduce the intensity of the insulin spikes you have a slower release of energy um, over time and i feel that the way that that movement in general portrays eating as quite a dangerous thing and you're doing it wrong you don't know how to eat let me teach you how you should eat is is a bit like fear-mongering and I find that approach quite disempowering um, yeah but I have some strong feelings <laughs> I don't know if you can tell yeah I think you're right and, and I know that I think Lee Norton did a post somewhere a YouTube video or something debunking a lot of the research that she used or the movement the movement uses in general um because most people who are evidence-based feel quite strongly like you do if anything especially with the people that we work with it's it's more likely to result in disordered eating habits as opposed to any sort of help and even with people with type 2 diabetes where I'm saying this could have a potential impact on like the blood glucose response it is so minimal in comparison to um potentially body fat loss or physical activity, or just walking after a meal, um, or general physical activity, or exercise is so minimal. And like you said, Georgia, we have this inclination in nutrition, especially people who are who claim to be evidence based but are not really evidence based, where they take the mechanistic stuff and apply it to like human results. So just because someone's blood sugar increases, blood glucose levels increases after a meal. And if they eat their fiber and their protein first, it reduces it, like it increases less after a meal. 
what does that even mean? Like it that that's not being translated into whole body outcomes at all. There's no evidence to say that it, it changes. So so this person might feel that it's impacted their hunger levels, but there's no evidence anywhere to say that A, it does that, or B, it has any impact on body composition. It doesn't have an impact on body composition. So if that's how you want to eat and it's not doesn't feel disordered to you and you genuinely enjoy eating chunks of tuna and bread and whatever, then all power to you. I wouldn't coach a client to do that because I think it's disordered. And even if they had type 2 diabetes, I wouldn't say that. I would say make sure you're including uh, fiber with your meals, lots of fruits and fruit and vegetables with your meals and protein with your meals. I would certainly say that, but I'd also say exercise. And if you can take a walk after your meal or something like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying deconstruct your meal and eat it in that way. Because I think that can that could err towards an orthorexic type of eating or quite a disordered type of eating. I'd also just add to that, um, maybe just brain dumping my frustration with social media in general, but um, let, let's assume this isn't aimed at this particular Instagram account, I'm just talking about social media in general. If somebody has something to sell, such as a book, or a very specific supplement that is very, um, I don't know, the magic pill that's going to create that change that you need. Um, the evidence is probably cherry picked. So they've picked the bits that suit their narrative and maybe ignore the stuff that doesn't quite support what they've said rather than having a holistic view of everything. Um, but if somebody has money to make from something, like they have a product to sell you that you can order online and you can get each month or whatever I would just use that as a bit of a, a moment to pause and consider if it was that effective like would doctors not be prescribing this would this not be a conversation that I've had in weight management sessions with my um diabetic nurse etc and I would just maybe question that a little bit because I mean just from like some of the PCOS accounts that I follow, there are an incredible amount of supplements that you can buy from various brands that will cost you an absolute fortune that you can order every month. And they have all these little stories about how it's going to support you. It's just not true. Um, so I would just use that as a moment to be like, hmm, I wonder if that is true or if it's a little bit of BS. Agreed. Okay, um, Lynn, question. Okay, um, I'll go with the fun one that I got asked this week. Well, it's kind of fun, but it's funny. Um, I have learned since working with Lynn that she has a different side to her that she possibly doesn't portray online. For example, her music taste, which does not reflect the quote unquote feminist she appears to be. Could you tell me your other traits like this, please? Okay, hold up. What was your music choice? I actually can't say it. It is disgraceful. Oh my, come on. Oh, I read really now. It's disgraceful. And it, it was just a screenshot that I had sent of something on my screen. Oh. As like, oh this is really helpful and she was like you, you're not listening to that are you and I was like, oh. it's not R. Kelly is it no 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 I'm not that bad <laughs> oh my god what is it what is it <laughs> um, I, I like rap music and sometimes it's a bit derogatory oh I like rap music derogatory rap music yeah yeah so um I can't actually say the name of the song um, and she asked me a question when I was at the gym and that's how it was playing because I had sent her back something being like oh this is how you do it and the song was playing um, but it's by Afro Man and yeah oh, it's, it's great was, I was listening to something recently and it was I think it was Eminem and it was Shake That and I was, Gold. was the, the, I was singing along to all the lyrics and I was like gosh I'm so problematic but it's a great song 
Yeah. Really? And, so, see, that's my problem. I know all the words and I sing them with such intense passion that mm. this person obviously questioned it. And I had to be honest. And I was like, yeah. Listen, we're born. We're born. Is it that one? The bottom one, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote, let me fudge. Oh, yeah. I've never yeah. heard that song. It, it's, and I, I wouldn't mind, but no, it was home last week or the week before, whenever he had to stay at home because I, felt in the stress and I was working and I was like playing my playlist in the background creating some stuff and that song came on and like his face was just you do not listen to that and I was like old like it's really good it's it kind of puts you in a good humor it's awful it is absolutely disgraceful the language in it and I do not condone it being used at all but for the musical sense it it's a classic I like just put it on my Spotify for after the podcast so I can listen to it My brother used to have the South Park soundtrack and one of the songs on the South soundtrack was Chef and it was like, suck on my chocolate salad ball, stick them in your mouth, stick them in your mouth and suck them. I used to love it and I must have been about 15. Wow, yeah. I remember singing that. Like a whole generation was singing it for about a year. Oh, classic. Each of us have been like, what on earth is going on? I know, our poor parents. Um, what was the actual question again? I got distracted by it. It's basically what is what is your quote-unquote toxic trait that doesn't resemble the the feminist that my choice in, my choice in men okay i mean that's a full-on not so much anymore it's why i'm notoriously single but my my previous choice in men is the least feminist also also and this is actually i think quite an evidence-based thing the sex life of feminists is very often unfeminist like the yeah like we talked about Emma and I talked about on Ed's podcast I need to read when we were talking about the way of the superior man the really sexist book and um we were yeah if you want to listen to that then listen to that but I think for me as a raging feminist and a woman who is tries to be quite confident and powerful and like a boss when it comes to men and when it comes to sex life it's like it just flips right on its head but I feel like that's okay because you can't be that person all the time sometimes you just need to just chill out so you know that's that's my toxic trait I'm afraid oh I'm so jealous Anna's missed this conversation (laughs) what's yours I don't I don't know. I don't know. It, was it was it about our toxic trait or was it like what doesn't get portrayed online? That... Well, it can be kind of be either. She was just basically saying that you would never tell my music taste or what I listen to in private online from how I go on. So it can be your toxic trait or something online doesn't really get to see a side of you. I don't know. I feel like I need to ask someone else that. Like, what do you, what do you see of me that I don't put online? My sister would be a good one. She'll be like, oh, well, here's a list. Um, I'm trying to think. If I would think of anything for you, Georgia, that I know of, and I don't think so. I don't own any cats, but I'm friends with a lot of them. So there's a lot of pictures on my stories of cats, and you might well be forgiven for thinking I own them, but I don't own a single one. They just really like me. Nothing wrong with owning a cat. friendly. <laughs> Nothing on or wrong with phone in a cat. Taylor Swift has like four. I know, I know. I want one. I just I can't have like pets, but when I can, I will have many. Trust me. <laughs> I think I think that you're just too honest and pure, pure, Georgia. Oh goodness, you're so she wrong. won't be after she listens to that song. <laughs> 
I'm just very authentic. Is that what you're saying? That I just bear everything online. <laughs> this is me. Like, I would say that like Amelia's non-feminist actions or whatever, like is known. And like people that people know that my music taste is god awful and like <laughs> derogatory. So I, I think it's just, yeah, it's just I think she just wanted to call me out. Oh, I'm oh, gonna find out. I'm gonna ask people and I will get back to you in the Facebook group as to what is apparently said about me. Oh, probably nothing. Oh. No, I wouldn't say so. I no. wouldn't. No. Okay, on that note, we're gonna leave it there. Thanks everyone for your questions. Thanks guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.